Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to jump into our, our talk today. We're still in our series called Accept or Decline. So if you've got your worship guides, you can pull out your sermon notes. are available there for you in paper form. Or if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can pull those out and get the uh, sermon notes off of the YouVersion Bible app as well. They'll be available there. And uh, let's see where we want to turn. Yeah, yeah, we want to turn there. At the Rhodes Church, we're excited about the Word of God. We believe it's His inspired Word that He wants to speak to us every time that we go to open it. So if you have your Bibles today, let's make some noise as we open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Woo! 2 Timothy chapter 1. Accept or decline. Today I want to talk to you about filling a gap. Everybody say fill the gap. Fill the gap. We're going to talk about filling a gap today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Everybody ready? It just sprang forward one hour. Let's go. One hour. Verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Anybody need some joy in your life? Well, here's what Paul says. This is your formula for getting more joy. When I call to remembrance the genuineness, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your, your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Let's just pray over this. Father, I just thank you for your presence. Lord, I ask you to come and just bring life to the word of God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We make room for you. We come here for you, Jesus. It's all about you, to learn more about you, to understand you more, Lord, to know what you have for our life. So I ask God that you just speak clearly into our hearts the truths of your word, that we will come out of here not just with a good sermon, but I pray that we'll come out here with a truth that will change us from the inside out. So I just give you liberty right now, Lord. Move in this place. Let people feel you, know you, hear you. It's all for you, and it's all about you. All glory goes to you. It's in your mighty name I pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. Paul's encouraging Timothy here, and he's reminding him of three things. We've been talking about it. I want to give you a quick reminder of those three things. Three things I want to remind you about. Number one, you have a gift of God. Number two, we have a calling by God. Number three, we have a purpose for God. We have a gift that's given to us from God. We have a calling by God. Then we have a purpose for God. All three of those things, we all have those in common. It's all been given to us before the foundations of the world. The first one I want to look at here in verse 6 is a gift of God. He said to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Inside each and every one of us is a gift. It's a special present. A gift is a present. It's a present from God that he's given to us. It means a, a spiritual endowment or a deposit. So God's put something a deposit on the inside of you. It's important for you to grasp that now. You're going to need that later. That there's something been deposited in you. It's a spiritual endowment from God. 
and he buried it on the inside of you. Okay, that's what the word gift means, the Greek word charisma. It's a spiritual endowment. We talked about it meaning the word, the gift of grace, the ability to leave people feeling whole and not full of holes. Feeling whole. So your gift of God that God put in you fills holes or fills gaps. Your gift fills a gap. Your gift fills a gap in, in, the, in the world around you and the people around you. High five two people and say, fill the gap. You fill a gap. You fill a gap. Come on. Interact with them a little bit this morning. That's right. That's right. So how, how do we... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I always love when you look out over a crowd and you see what levels of participation. People are like, I'm not touching anybody, buddy. Like, it's okay. We're not forcing you to touch anyone. <laughs> Coronavirus. Come on. Don't be using that. <laughs> but anyway, let's stay focused. So how do we fill a gap? You say, Chad, I've got a gap, or I've got a gift, and I need to fill a gap. How do we do it? We fill a gap by using our gift. We've all got them. We're only going to fill a gap when we use it. Remember we read Romans chapter 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us? Let us... All right, having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us... Use them, use them, not protect them, not save them. Use them. It's going to take some risk. We got to use them. So when your gift is not being used, there's a gap. He says, having then gifts different according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. When your gift is not being used, there's a gap. I found an image of what it looks like to have a gap in the road. That's what it looks like. That's what a gap in the road looks like. How would you like to drive up on that gap in the road? Doing about 65. A couple people evidently did. See, this is what a gap in the road looks like. Well, we don't want any gaps at the roads. See what I did there? <laughs> it's like a, it's a little, 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 little ripple effect. Took a little while for some of you guys. Here at the Rhodes Church, we don't want gaps. So you want you using your gift because you fill in a vacancy. You fill in a gap that somebody else may not fill into. And I don't want anybody coming to our church and falling into your gap. I want them to be able to move on in their relationship with God. And, and when I'm not serving, when you're not serving, when you're not using your gift, there is a gap that somebody might fall through. Why? Because each one of us connect with people in different ways. So there's, there's a gap. When we're not using it, it gets to be trouble. So which gap are you filling? I, I want to give you some statistics real quick, just so you know what, how gaps are important. Here at the Rhodes Church in North City, just to put on one service, just to do one service, it takes over 75 people volunteering. 75 people per service. Which gap are you filling? For Mount Carmel right now, for us to go to Mount Carmel, go to Sunday morning service, it's going to take at least 47 people per service to put on a service. Which gap are you filling? See, church used to be you need a preacher and a song leader and maybe somebody to watch the kids. That's not the kind of church we're building. We're not wanting to build a church based on a preacher and a song leader and somebody babysitting. We want to be something based on Jesus Christ, number one, and we're all in pursuit of him together using our gifts, everybody using your gifts so that the body can grow and flourish. And this is what's needed. We, we can't have any gaps. So we got to ask ourselves, which gap are you filling? 
Which gap are you filling? Verse 6, when it says, he says to stir up. So if I have a gift of God, it's our responsibility to stir up the gift of God. Here's what the word stir up means. Fresh life to reactivate, to light up again, to rekindle or fan the flame. Stir up. You've got a gift, but who, notice what he said to Timothy. You stir up the gift of God in you. He didn't say pray that someone else will do it. You stir it up. And what does the word stir up mean? To rekindle the flame, to reactivate. So I thought, what does this mean? We need more fire. I thought this image gives an example. This is what he means when he says, stir up the gift of God in you right there. (laughs) This is Paul speaking to Timothy, stir up the gift of God. I didn't have one of those. (laughs) But I did have the next closest thing. That I thought today we could stir up some gifts today. I want you to understand, when it says stir up the gift of God, we just sang a song this morning that it was burn, Lord burn in me, right? I'll give you a visual of what this looks like. That's what I'm talking about. Stir up the gift of God. Rekindle. Notice what he said, you do it. Don't you like that fire? I'm just going to point it this way so I don't burn anybody else. I was a little nervous about doing this in church. I thought, is this going to flame? Is it going to do whatever? But it's like, you got to turn it up. And if I turn this little dial on this bad boy, this fire gets more intense. I'd like to burn something right now. I won't lie. Yesterday, me and Lucas was, was trying this out, and we, we was practicing on a, uh, we was, we was practicing on a, on a wood pile. I just didn't want that to touch the carpet. So I, we were practicing on a wood, fi- wood pile, and we got this fire going. It's a whole lot better to start a fire with that than it is. <laughs> I've never done it before. My man, I was like, <laughs> we got it going so much that I took this one piece of wood, and I, got, and I wanted to get it on there and, and really burn it down. And I dropped it on there, and it was kind of windy yesterday. And I felt this gust of fire, and I thought, wow, well, that kind of burnt my face a little bit. I went inside. All my eyelashes and eyebrows were singed. It was all, they were all brown. Like, <laughs> like, you know you got a good fire when you've singed your eyebrows. But this is what I'm talking about. Stir up the fire. It's stir up the gift. When we say, God, I want to burn for you, that's not something that happens outside of you. This is really important. The stir up the fire that he's saying, stir up the gift of God, means you activate what's on the inside of you. Not for someone else do something for me, but you say, you know what? I'm going to stir this fire up. I'm going to fan the flame in my life. This is what he's telling stir up the gift. Now, some people may ask this, Chad, what is my gift? I don't even know. We can't use our gift if we can't identify it. I don't even know my gift. Here's, if you're not alone, if you're like, I don't know what my gift is, here's some statistics. 80, 87% of people in church don't know what their gift is. They don't know what their gift is. Forbes magazine said this in an article that 70% of people hate their jobs. That's a lot of people. I believe this is a, this is a you don't talk about the coronavirus being a pandemic, a greater epidemic or pandemic in the world is people not knowing why they were born. It's a much bigger problem in this world. Two greatest days of your life, the day you were born, the second one, the day you understand why. When you don't know why you're born, you just live chasing something. You're chasing after this, chasing after that, something to fulfill you from the outside, but it's got to be something from the inside. See, we're not created with something out there that will bring us fulfillment. We're created with something in here that will bring us fulfillment. 
But we're chasing another job, more money, promotion, this or that, new marriage, new relationship, whatever. Those things will not bring true fulfillment. It's the gift on the inside of you put to use that's going to bring fulfillment in your life. Amen, Chad. Amen. But now how do we identify this gift? We can't properly open a gift. Like if you have a gift, you've got to open it up. You can't properly open a gift from God without a relationship with God. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me say this again. You cannot properly open a gift from God without a relationship with God. If you're saying, Chad, I don't know what my gift is. Number one, the most important part is you need to have a relationship with the gift giver. You got to be saved. You got to be born again. I'm not going to understand why I was created without having a relationship with the creator. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I want to tell you something about this, this passage. In verse 8, I'm going to start reading. Two things that are important. The word by or of speaks of origin or source. I'm going to tell you this before we start reading it because I want to show you something. The word by or of speaks of origin or source, and the words for speaks of purpose or goal. Okay? You ready for this? So let's put it together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Some of you might be familiar with this passage, but I want to make sure when we apply it to how we use our gift. For by grace, or we say by grace. Amen. Remember, by means origin or source. So by grace, by God's grace, by him, originated with God, you have been saved through faith. That's how it comes to us, through faith, and not of yourselves. It's not of us. It's not about us. It's not orig doesn't originate from us. The, the source is not us. It's of God. Not of yourselves is a gift of God. So your gift is not of you. It's from God. Your gift did not originate from you. It originated from God. It came from him. So if you don't like what you got, take it up with God. If you don't like what he's gifted you to do, you've got to understand he's the one who originated. You gift of God, not of works. This is important. Not of works, our gift, our salvation is not of works, it's not, the source is not works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's the purpose, that's the goal, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What am I trying to say? Here's what it means. We were saved by God's grace, and he gave us a gift, but the gift is not of works, but it was created for good works. Here's what I wrote down. We're not saved of works, but we're absolutely created for works. Works are not the source of our salvation, but they are part of the purpose of our creation. You were saved, not of works, but you were saved for works. In other words, you were served to do, you were saved to do something. You were saved from something for something. I was saved from something, not just to be saved from it. I'm saved for something. God didn't come into my life just to get me out of hell. That's not the purpose of you being born again, just to punch your ticket. I'm not going to hell. That's great that you're not going to hell. But that's just the beginning of why you're born. You're born for something. A purpose is on the inside of you. I'm not living the thankful just that I'm saved. I am. It's by grace. It's not of myself. But I'm not just saved from. I'm saved for. Your gift is not about works, but it is for works. The purpose, the goal. This is why you saved us, why you put us in there. So now, our gift is not one thing. We've got to understand this. It's multifaceted. Your, your gift consists of the resources for everything available for life. I saw this image in my head. This is what your gift looks like. This is what your gift looks like. 
Your gift is not one thing. Too many times I think people get discouraged because they think their gift is a thing. Your gift is not a thing. It is many things. So this is, a, this is what your gift looks like. For, God's put something on the inside of you that's not just for one thing. It's for all kinds of things that you're going to face in your life. You're going to feign all, face all kinds of different adversity. You're going to face all kinds of different challenges. You're going to face all kinds of different scenarios. And God says inside you is everything you need to face whatever you're facing. It's all on the inside of you. It's all been put there. You're like, well, what? I'm going to face this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. this. This is something totally new. Just because it's totally new to you doesn't mean it's totally new to God. <laughs> Just because it's surprising you and me today and we're like, God, I got to tell you what's going on. You would not believe it. He's like, try me. I would. <laughs> so he knows this. This is what our gift looks like. It's, it's prepared for everything. Our gift is an endowment. Remember I said that earlier? Of internal resources from God. The gifts of God are planted in us like a seed. I want you to get this. This is very important. Your gift is going to grow and develop in different stages. I thought, how can I illustrate this, God, so they get it? So I thought, how am I going to get it? So I got this other image. I want to bring this up. I want to ask you a question. This, this image here just represents the cycle of a tomato. Which one of those images is a tomato? I know it's a little bit of a trick question, but we, re- we think just the fruit is the tomato. But couldn't it be argued that the seed is also the tomato? Couldn't it be argued that the young plant, the seedling, is also tomato? I know it's not the tomato you eat, but notice that everything in that seed to become the tomato is already in there, but at different stages it doesn't look the same. This is what I want to encourage you. Your gift is not going to look the same in every stage of life, but it doesn't mean it's any less your gift. Because you're not seeing the fruit yet of what God's created you to be, that does not mean you're not on the perfect path of accomplishing everything that God wants you to accomplish. We get discouraged because if we don't see fruit, we want to bail ship. And God says, no, no, you're right on the perfect path. You're at the seedling stage. (laughs) Seedling. You're, You're coming into maturity. You've got to mature a little bit. Oh, come on. There's a sermon all right in this cycle. We want to bear fruit before we want to mature. (laughs) God says, listen, I'm going to grow you up a little bit before people start eating of your fruit. We got to grow up a little bit because what happens, we we start thinking it's about the fruit. And God says, no, it's, it's not about that. It's about the process. But in our gift and using our gift, every stage of our gift is different. What you're doing today may not be the fruit, but it's important. Without the seedling stage, you will not have a fruit. If you pull up that plant at the seedling stage and say, well, it's, it's not a tomato, and just throw it off to the side, you will never get a tomato. You may be serving in a gift and using your talent right now to the little bit that you can see, and you're like, well, it's not really anything big. It's not anything significant. And you pull it up right now, you'll never see the fullness of what God has for you. The reason we don't see the fullness of what God wants to do in our life is because we will not be patient enough to get through the stages to see the fruit. You got to write it out, baby. You want some sexy thing about, hey, write it now. Have it right now. Behold, I do a new thing right now. That's great. That's great, but sometimes you just got to grow up. 
Sometimes you just got to walk it out. You got to go through some stages where it don't look pretty. You got to go through some stages where you're like, it don't look like nothing. I know it's bad grammar, but it just feels better to say it that way. You got to go through some stages where you're not getting any applause. You're not getting any attention. People, oh, Jesus. You got to go through stages when people that are looking for fruit go out and look at you and feel disappointed because they don't see what they want to see. But you're still right on time for what God wants you to do. I don't know that you're getting it, but I'm getting fresh revelation right now. God's speaking to me. See, sometimes people go out and they're only looking for one thing from you. They're looking for fruit. And if they don't see fruit, they don't think they have any reason for you, any purpose for you. But God says there's a purpose. It just hasn't blossomed yet. I'm going to fire that torch back up in Jesus. Look at so, every, Everything you need. It's important. It's, I'm, I'm preaching to chat. So you just listen. It's about me and him. <laughs> Everything that you need is on the inside of you. Everything you need to get it through work, to get through school, to get through life, to get through scenario, it's in there. It's in there. You're like, oh, you know, this is a terrible season of my life. I know there's something in there to get you through it. Here, look what it says. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily. Everybody say heartily. Heartily, heartily as unto the Lord, not to men. Heartily. What does that mean? It comes from two, two Greek words. It means inner self and out of. So everything we do, we live out of our inner self. I want to break this down. Sometimes I, I talk real fast and I want to be slow because I want you to grasp this. When we do it heartily as unto the Lord, we live out of something on the inside of us. Here's the temptation in the world is not to live out of, but to live for. The temptation is going to be for us to live for something outside of us instead of out of something inside of us. I wrote this down. Who I am is not of what I do. Come on, get this revelation. Who I am is not of what I do, but what I do is of who I am. I'm going to say it again. Who I am, my identity, is not of what I do. But what I do is of who I am. It flows out of here. It flows out of who's on the inside of me. You got, you've got to be something internally motivated, not externally. The raise, the promotion is a short-term motivation. Because after you get it, what do you want? Another one. There's nothing against that. I'm just saying that we can't live for outside motivation only. We've got to live for an internal who you are is not of what you do, but what you do is of who you are. So are you living from what is on the inside of you or for what's on the outside of you? Let me go with this. We want, we want to live from our green. We talk about this, how do you find out what your purpose is, what do you find out what your gifting is. We talk about living from our green. Where, where is your green? It's the passion. Three circles intersecting. It's your passion, what you're passionate about, what you love to do, what you're talented at, what you're good at. Number three, what's your need? These three things God gave me back in 2006 been part of the basis for what we live. It's one of our core values. We live from our, we pursue our green. We live from and for his purposes. What I'm passionate about, you should have something that's internally driven, something you love to do. That's your passion, God-given. There should be a talent that, that's a, that you've worked with, something the natural given to you and something you work with to, to get better at. And then there's a need that you fill. If you have passion and a talent and you don't fill a need, your gift is wasted. 
We got to use it. We got to fill a gap. This need is the gap, and we got to fill that. So now, we, we, let me go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. So he said, we've got our, we've got our gift. That was the first thing. We got a gift of God. Then the third part was we've got a purpose for God. I want to put this together. We have a purpose for God. According to his purpose, he saved us and called us according to his own purpose and grace. According to his purpose and grace. Let me tell you about this uh, for the purpose of God. I want to encourage you in this. His purpose, his plan for your life is not separate from you. It's inclusive of you. So when I say something about you were created, your gift is for a purpose for God. In times we would try and separate ourselves like me and the purpose of God. The purpose that God has for your life was not exclusive of you, but inclusive of you. Plainly stated, God thought of you when he created your purpose. So when you walk in God's purpose for your life, you're walking in your best life. You know how we say this? Hey, how's it going? I'm living my best life. You know when you're living your best life? When you're doing what God's created you to do. That's your best life. That's your best life. And when I walk in his purpose, I know that his purpose, he created his thoughts. He said, I know the thoughts that I have for you, thought of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So everything that he put into your life, he said, I had you in mind. So you're like, I just don't know if I'm going to like the purpose of God. Yes, you are. I just don't know if I'm going to like what God's telling me to do. I feel like God's telling me to do this, but I really want to do this. No, you don't. You want to do what God's telling you to do. Not because you have to, because what's really on the inside of you that you don't even know. How many ever tried something that you thought you would like and you end up not liking it afterwards? Thank you. Two people. Two people. I was waiting for actual participation. Man, let's move the clocks back. Have we not ever tried something that we were convinced would be good and then after we got into it, we're like, oh, that's not so good after all? Right? Are you connecting yet? Right? Well, it happens all the time. So why do we think we're going to try and outsmart God? God has a plan for your life, and he's already considered what you enjoy. It's a purpose for God. But here's the gap. Here's the gap. So we have this. We have the gift of God. We have the purpose for God. In between is the gap. I have the gift that God's given me, and then I have the purpose. So now let's look at the next part. You have a calling by God. Verse 9. Let's look at it again. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. He called us with a holy calling. Saved us. Look at these two things. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Saved us is what he did for me. Called me is his invitation to join in what he created me to do. When it says in the scripture, he saved us. What did he save us from? He saved us from death and destruction. Saved us from hell. Saved us from the penalty. Saved us. He saved us into relationship. He didn't save you. We've got to stop thinking this way. This is religion. People think that God saved them from something bad. God didn't save you from something bad. He saved you into something. We, think, we can think that salvation is about getting out of hell. Salvation is not about getting out of hell. Salvation is about getting into a relationship with the creator of the universe. Because I hear people say, well, I don't, I don't think hell is going to be that bad. You're focusing on the wrong end. I don't care if hell's not that bad. It's not going to be that good. You're, you're, you're flipping it around. You're thinking that it's, it's about, well, how bad is it going to be? Can I? And it's not about that. It's about how good is he? He saved me into something. Oh, relationship with him is going to be so good for you. He saved us into that. But look, both of these, saved and called, they're 100% involuntary in their origination. In other words, 
They were God's idea. It was God's idea to save me. It wasn't mine. It was God's idea to call you. It wasn't yours. 100% involuntary in their origination, but 100% voluntary in their participation. Did you catch that? Saved and called. 100% involuntary on the origination. I, I didn't do it. I didn't make it up. God did it by grace. Thank you, Jesus. But it is 100% voluntary on my participation with his saving and his calling for my life. Let me give you these two things about the calling of God. Two things that I think you need to know about the invitation of God. You know how we give invitations? You know in church they give invitations? Two things about the calling of God on your life that I've found. This is things that I've found in my life. Hopefully it will resonate with you. Two things you need to know about the invitation of God. You ready? Two things. I want to give you two things about the invitation of God. Two things only. Just two things. Two things you need to know. Are you taking notes yet? Write these down. Two things you need to know about the invitation of God. God wants you to know two things this morning about the invitation. Is anybody ready for these two things? I'm, this is building anticipation. You got your pen. You're like, give me the two things. Relax. Two things you need to know about the calling and invitation of God. Number one. Number one. It always lacks details. The invitation of God always lacks details. The just shall live by faith. So if we're going to accept the invitation of God, you've got to be flexible. Look at your neighbor and say, be flexible. It's a journey. It's a journey. Hey, let me tell you this about the calling of God. I've been at this a while now. You know, I remember when I was really young. I preached my first sermon when I was 14 years old, and I preached like I knew everything in the world. I mean, I was teaching those people stuff, dropping bombs on them, straightening them out. <laughs> I was preaching six months ago like I knew everything and, you know, I was dropping bombs. But here's what I've learned. It's not about moments. It's about the journey. Twenty-some years later, not from when I preached my first sermon, but into preaching a lot, full time. I've learned this, that if I'm going to be flexible, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. If you're going to answer the invitation of God, I answer, I've answered the invitation of God. I keep answering the invitation. And every time I keep thinking he's going to tell me everything I need to know before I say yes. And inevitably, every time I say yes, I'm saying yes to something I do not know. If you cannot handle going into the unknown, I got a slide just to, into the unknown, into the unknown, into the unknown. <clears throat> Thank you. See, that's why I let him sing. That's why he's singing and I'm preaching. My note was much higher, but it was just, but here's what I'm saying. Number one. <laughs> He's not going to give you details. Second, second, this is important. The second thing about the calling of God, it lacks comfort. Where did we get twisted in our game thinking Christianity was attached to comfort? Where did we mess up in the message somewhere where we thought Christianity was about me feeling good? We, we, we want our Christianity to be based on comfort. We, we want this kind of Christianity. I brought up, this is what, this is a slide with the puppy slide. Can you bring the, 
there. That's, that's what some people want their Christianity to look like. They want, their Christian, they want the call of God to look like that. Just waiting on heaven. When in reality, the invitation of God, the call of God, looks like this one. We want the first one, but it looks like this one. But here's the kicker. You were created for this one. You weren't created for the other one. You weren't created to lay around and just be comfortable all the time. You were created for conflict. You were created to be a conqueror, not comfortable. And somehow we thought the invitation got, okay, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as I'm comfortable. It's not going to be comfortable because here's what it looks like. Romans 8, 37, yet all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is a gap in the call of God on your life. There is a gap between where you are, your comfort level, and your destination. And it looks like this next slide. This is you accepting the call. If you want to accept the call of God, it looks like this. It's going to look like that. It's going to be you. They thought I was coming. You got, you got where you are. Notice, notice this little guy. Notice his back feet. Planted firmly on where he's been, but freely launching forward to where he's going. Here's what God is speaking to our hearts about our gifts that he's put on the inside of you. Some of you got to jump. You got to leap. You got to go for it. But here's what we do. Come to the edge. You ever, you ever, <laughs> you ever wanted to... I come up to something, you were going to jump over it, and you come up to it, and you're like, you're like, okay, <laughs> let me make sure I got this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I remember one time I went down to uh, Kentucky Lake, and they got that big rock high place where you can jump off. I remember what it's called, but it's a good ways up there. And, and I went up there. Yeah, it's at the rock quarry. So I went up there, and uh, I went over, and I looked over the edge, and I thought, whoo, <laughs> that's a good ways down. So the first time I came up, I went and looked again. Sometimes that's what we're doing in answering the call. There's a gap that needs to be filled. But some of the gap's not going to be filled till you take a jump. you got to leap for it. And this is what I feel like God is saying. Will you accept the gift, the call, or the invitation? I, I believe God has something for us, Rhodes Church. But I believe this is key. God's wanting to do more in your life, but you've got to jump. You've got to jump out of comfort out of familiar into the unknown into the unknown I know this about the call of God number one it's going to lack details you're like hey I need to know a little bit more about what you do. just just number two it lacks comfort lacks comfort it's not about it's not about our comfort thank you for listening to this week's message if you enjoy this podcast and would like to give please visit us at theroads.church to stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.